teaching series that we've been calling Heart, right? We're, we're looking at the messages that were delivered by the angels regarding the birth of Jesus in the Scriptures, right? We sang the song this morning, Heart the Herald, Angels Sing, Glory to the Newborn King. And if you missed any of those messages, we have almost all of them online on our website or on our YouTube channel. I want to encourage you to go tune in there. Uh, but I started this series asking a question that you've heard me ask almost every week, right? Is, is Christmas actually more than carols and lights? It's not a trick question. I think it's a really honest question. Right? With all the busyness and holiday chaos that we experience this time of year, from anxiety maybe over finances to anxiety maybe over family gatherings. No, not me, right? Maybe, maybe we have some anxiety this time of year to maybe feelings of loneliness or, 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 or grief even that, that can be mixed with nostalgia or, or comparison, right? See, seeing what other people are doing and experiencing this time of year. Is there more to Christmas than all of this? And, and I'm talking about in your real life. Because we know that, the Christ, that Christmas is about the celebration of the birth of Jesus, but how does that actually impact how you live? How does that impact how you relate with other people? How does that impact how we celebrate? And in our Christmas services, we've seen in the Scriptures, God speaking about the promise of Emmanuel, God with us. And we've heard messages delivered to Zechariah and Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph. But today, we're going to zero in on probably the most well-known Christmas passage in the New Testament. Um, but, but, but I want to encourage you, as we read this story, not to get lost in what sounds familiar so much that we miss the wonder of it that is here in the passage today. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, you can go ahead and turn with me to Luke chapter number 2. Um, they're also going to have it on the screen beside me. And we're going to begin reading in verse number 1. It says this, In those days... Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. We've heard that before. 
you will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And the beautiful story that has been told and retold for generations. My children hear this story every Christmas morning before they open their presents. I'm that dad, right? When they wake up in the morning and they see all the presents under the tree, they know I'm going to go, wait, 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 wait. I, I want to tell you a story. So, and maybe you've grown up hearing this story your entire life. And as I looked at this passage in the context of the series, something stuck out to me, right? Because we've been looking at these messages that the angels delivered to all these different people. And something popped out to me that I, that, that I asked myself, why appear to these shepherds? Why would an angel appear to shepherds at all and, and not kings? Why would an angel appear to these shepherds? Have you ever wondered that? Because up until this point in the teaching series, we've seen angels appear to relevant story members, right? Zechariah and Elizabeth, who were the parents of John the Baptist, who begins every single gospel record setting the scene for the ministry of Jesus. And, and then we saw where an angel appeared to Mary and Joseph. I would say that they need to be in the know with what's going on, right? That they, they, they deserve to know what was happening. So we see all these relevant story members getting to in on what's happening. Things have been kept to this point on a pretty need-to-know basis. So why appear to these seemingly random shepherds? Because if it were me, if I was in charge, if I was writing the story, I would at least suggest that we go and make an announcement, maybe to some people with influence or, or power, right? I, maybe, maybe we would go and appear to kings or religious leaders, people with power and influence to really get this thing going. But remember, this is not what this story has been about at all. We've seen week after week after week, time and again, We've seen that God isn't just willing, but He has intentionally unfolded this plan in a way that says again and again and again, Emmanuel, I am with you. That's what this story has been about. He wades into our shame, wades into our story to rescue us. And, and if you've been here for the series, you've seen this. You've, you've seen that this is what Christmas is. When you think that God is silent and you don't see Him working and you can't hear Him speaking, when you've been sitting in the pain of unmet desires and unfulfilled dreams, He says to you, I, I have not forgotten you. I have 
heard your prayers the entire time. And He quiets the noise that's in us, our fears and our anxieties, so that we can hear Him speak. But hear God speak grace. Because that's how God speaks. He didn't step onto the scene with an announcement of our guilt. That's not what the angels did when they showed up. Hey guys, you screwed up the plan pretty good, so we came up with a backup one. It's going to be wild. Buckle up. It's not what you would expect. Right? But that, that's not how it went. God stepped onto the scene with grace. It was with grace that He reached down, that He stretched out, that He showed us and spoke over us. Greetings, favored one, is what he said to Mary. I am here for you. I am with you. And when you think that you're just not important, when you think that you're just in the background or you're too ashamed to think you belong in the story, he says, no, no, I I know you. I I know the real you, and I'm going to remind you who I am. Remember, he told Joseph, you are going to name him Jesus, Yahweh saves. That's what Jesus means, because he will save his people from their sins. See, the, the story of the incarnation of Jesus isn't just a few random occurrences that are cobbled together to make up your nativity scene. That, that, that's not the story of the incarnation of Jesus. No, there is history, there's intention, and there is wonder in every moment. And the same is true with this thing. And I'll venture to go as far to say this. Your story with you you encountering the living Jesus is the same way. There's history, there's intention, and there's wonder. Because God has taken all the time in history to know you and to love you. And we're going to see it in this story as well. So why these shepherds? Why do these shepherds get to hear from an angel about the birth of Jesus. So the sheep that would graze and be watched over outside of Bethlehem, they were not sheep that were used um, for wool or for food, right? Bethlehem sits five miles, about five miles, south of Jerusalem. And on the road from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, just outside of Bethlehem, there's a place called Migdal Eber, right? What that means is it means the Tower of the Flock. This is just outside of Bethlehem. Pretty much where this story takes place. So you say, you say the, the Tower of the Flock. What, what flock? Like, why is that significant? This is a beautiful, often overlooked detail of this story. These shepherds watched over the lamb that made up the temple flock. That's what these shepherds were keeping watch over. Lambs that made up the temple flock. It speaks of generations every year during Passover. Every single family in Israel would make sacrifices. They would make sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem as an offering for the covering of their sins. And you couldn't just make an offering of any animal, right? The Mosaic law demanded that the offering had to be a lamb without spot and without blemish. The lamb had to be perfect. And these shepherds would raise these lambs carefully. They would carefully go over each and every one. They were trained to spot any imperfection so that each and every lamb that was sacrificed would meet those stringent requirements that were commanded by the law of Moses. 
or a covering of their sins. It was these shepherds that the angels appeared to that led them to see good news of great joy for all people. For unto us was born that day the Lamb. That's what Christmas is. Unto us was born that day the Lamb without sin, perfect in every way. Unto us a child was born. Unto us a son was given. And the shepherds came and saw him, and they glorified God for the perfect lamb that had been born for us, that had been born as us, laying in a manger. A manger. A manger is a feeding trough. And I think that it's really interesting that later on, Jesus, during his ministry, would step on the scene and he would look people in the eye and he would say, I am the bread of life. He would look people in the eye who look at a woman by a well and say, I can give you living water. Jesus told stories. He healed the hurting and the broken. He forgave sinners. He loved tax collectors and prostitutes and even his enemies. And he taught us to love one another. And when we rejected him, he willingly laid his life down. The without thought or blemish, sacrificed for us, sacrificed as us for the covering of our sins, not every single year, but once and for all. Good news, great joy for all people. And he rose from the dead to give us life and to give us freedom. And so I open the series asking us, is Christmas more than carols and lights? Is it more than gifts? And movies? Is it more than desserts and traditions? Yes, Christmas is so much more than that. But, and by the way, I don't think that there's anything wrong, right? I don't think any of those things are bad. I think that you should enjoy them. But in this series, again and again and again, you've heard this. Look, come and see when you see it. We started this, this series in Isaiah when God said, Look, I will give you a sign something that you can look to again and again and again to know that I am with you. When you see it, this baby in a manger, when you see it, hope for all mankind, it will change the way that you live. It will change the way that you relate, and it will change the way you celebrate in real life. And you think, what am I supposed to pull from this series? What am I supposed to pull from Christmas as baby in a manger? And I, I know what I'm praying for me. I mean, all the distractions, all the anxiety, all the fear, everything that wants to creep into my mind and in my heart, that through all of that, that I would be able to see. That I would be able to see the Lamb that was born for us. That's what Christmas is. I'm going to ask Brandon to go ahead and come up as we're going to finish up. This is Christmas. To look and to see God shaping all of time, all of history. God willingly wading into our shame, not to punish us, but to show us Emmanuel. I am with you. That's what Christmas is. As you're buying your tree, as you're pulling out your decorations, as you hear the music, and what to see, what 
to listen for, what to hold on to, is God speaking to you, saying, I am with you. There has never been a moment that I have not been with you. There has never been a moment that I have forsaken you. I have shaped time and history with intention and wonder. I have shaped your life with intention and wonder so that you could know me, so that I could know you. This is Christmas. On a cold night in a farm, Jesus was born for us. And I know that might seem familiar, but we never knew the wonder of it. But yes, that was done for all mankind. Good news, great joy for all people. But God says, I am with you. So with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I always talk about how we're a Jesus church. Following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, the mission of Jesus, all of that has to do with
Jesus' Christ. But that's the truth.